The debate was short and sour, acrid, unsunny, though a vein of humor eased through it. It began after three years away from the organization. Conrad faced Pander with the proposition that he, Pander, was an opportunist, that he would come up and criticize operations to others, but say nothing to people's faces. Pander huffed and puffed through his opened nostrils, a flush of red through his brown face, fattened by studentdom come late in life. As revolutionaries, black nationalists, he and Conrad had been together as part of a larger being, World Insurrectionists, W.I. But a silent and tightly focused split sent Conrad, as one suborganization head, off with his folks in another direction. There had almost been a shootout on a southern campus between W.I. people and the breaking away Liberation African Front, L.A.F. people. Pander had been where in that? Had he already left W.I. or what? During that period, or a little earlier, Simba, the leader teacher, apparently had Pander cracked across the skull and driven out with his running partner, Big Yellow Jerome, who's now a city hall dope dealer, cleaner, Wabenzi the tribe that drives in the Mercedes-Benzes. The whole story on that. The head-whipping, the flight, accusations that Pander was an agent who pushes pills inside the organization. All that remains unclear. Or too clear. Except Simba got worse, from the strain of revolutionary struggle. Began to swallow too many stay-awake-and-stay-asleep pills. Became a drowsy, ordering vegetable. Amidst the cries for blood, the secret and public capitalist hitmen also cried. Amidst internal and external machinations, opportunism, a more exotic withdrawal from the real world. Madness in the smoke of sweet incense. A machine gun set up on a tripod just inside the door of the house. Servants padded in stockinged feet. People pulled in and questioned. Through the fog, conspiracies hatched conspiracies all fake, except the real one that worked. Conrad gave money to Simba's brother to rescue him, take him to a hospital. The brother didn't even bother to report, except months later, he explained the obvious. He had failed. But all this simply to set the proper pincer of memory in light. Truth moves the faces back and forth. Pander began talking in a rush, phrase-mongering, he said being criticized for behind-the-back criticizing to the RC, the right commies, a group of young, mostly white students calling themselves multinational workers, about how it should have been, with thousands of Puerto Ricans ready to rip, boiling outside on the pavement in front of City Hall. Safely indoors, the nigger mare losing weight, oinking like a panicked porker with his little tail curling up under his coat, nailed in place by the way his neck sat, holding up his doofus face. Conrad, the Puerto Rican leaders, and another organization, the Leopards, ran back and forth between city hall negotiations and the pavement. The crowd had converged from the Puerto Rican ghettos of the city, El Barrio, to scream at this ugly life. One of their children had been trampled to death by a mounted policeman, trying to stop two Puerto Ricans from shooting crap in the middle of a folklore festival. Two more, both Puerto Rican, died, shot in the back and the back of the head the last one pistol-whipped in the face for good measure. 
The negotiators, of course, read and shouted demands, impossible even under the crumbling illusion of bourgeois democracy. And now it was the nigger, a grim fatso who stuffed himself daily with five or six meals, combined into two for austerity. He rode in a checker cab instead of a Cadillac to give the illusion that he wasn't spending money. He changed mistresses so people who knew the old fat one would be confused because they wouldn't know the new fat one. But they knew both, and laughed casually or derisively, depending on whether or not they had a city job.